It's a real, real joy to see you all friends. And uh, I don't know if this is normal, but are any of you feeling stirred from notices? You're like, whew, you know, like excited for the year ahead and excited for, I suppose, a sense of not quite knowing what is to come. But really, I'm like, Chris, those are, those are notices I can sign up for each week, you know, of like leaving notices stirred already. I'm like, God, do we, do we need to preach? You know, our hearts are stirred within us. Let's do this, you know. But it is so, so spectacularly wonderful to see your faces. And uh, Chris is right, Kate and I have just gotten back from a time away in the UK. We went to go visit some friends. And by friends, I mean some churches, um, uh, people in other communities of faith. And the reason why I say that is because there's something mysterious that happens if you've ever traveled abroad and gone into another church and you've stood there and you've just been hit by that beautiful reality that this is family and these are friends and they love Jesus and you love Jesus, and you have something that, is, um, that can't be touched or felt necessarily, but that is so real that Jesus binds you together. And um, we just loved, loved, loved getting to be in different churches. We visited a, a church called Liberty Church in Wales where we uh, went to some of their different sites and different meetings. We um, visited with some friends from Kingsgate Church who are based in London. Um, and then we were with a friend who we didn't quite get to her church, but we met her through Genesis Collective in Cape Town and uh, just our hearts were knitted together with hers. We wanted to go visit her in Ireland. And so we flew over to Dublin for literally about 24 hours and we just spent time with her. And one of the things she said was, she said, I can't believe that you guys would come to see me. Can't believe that you would want to come and spend time out of your holiday to just be with me. And we're like, that's all we want. We just want to be with you. And uh, I think of actually what Paul writes to one of the churches in his letters where he says, I long that I could be with you, that we could mutually encourage each other by one another's faith. And uh, Paul certainly had it on the money. And I think that's how I feel this morning. Friends, just even standing in front of you as we're about to go to the Word together, is that I, it has been a longing for me this week at getting to prep to be with you this morning. And I hope that even your heart as you sit here, no matter what state you come in today, that there has been a longing to be with the church of God. Because this, oh man, we, like, we were far away, many thousands of kilometers away. And about a week, I said to Kate, like, okay, I'm ready to go home. I'm ready to go back to Red Point. It was, it was profoundly beautiful being in another church and worshiping Jesus there. Uh, I want you just to report back from there, because I think we sometimes as South Africans carry the sense that the UK church is stoic and reserved. But uh, there was a picture I'd love to share with you of um, the one morning we were in uh, based in uh, Newport in a school there. And the one lady, she was hosting the meeting in the middle of worship. She just felt a word, just like actually to praise God. And people, you know, they were like, yes, well, praise the Lord, you know. And she jumped up on the stage. And I want you to picture this woman twirling in a circle going, praise him, praise him. And I was like, this is in the UK. These guys are putting us to shame. I love it. And she just was, there was jubilation. There was excitement. There was like, he is the living one. And mystery of mysteries, he's amongst his people. He's here. And, uh, and so I hope this morning that your hearts are stirred within your chest as you think, actually, God, you are amidst us. That's a beautiful, beautiful thing indeed. And so this morning, we are going to be looking at something that I've titled Captured, Committed, and Contagious. Captured, Committed, and contagious, and I stole that <laughs> from a guy called Marshall Seagal. He writes this beautiful um, article, and I just saw the title. I thought, that's, that's, that's beautiful. I want that. So I thought, let's take it. And last week, if you were here at church last week, you will remember that tool spoke out of Acts chapter 2. Remember? 
And he spoke about this incredible community that was birthed out of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the gospel. And they suddenly are this radical new group of people doing things in a very radical and new and different way. And uh, we're going to actually not move on from Acts chapter two this morning. There's more there for us. And I hope that we, um, we get something more as we mine deeper and deeper into this incredible, incredible passage of scripture. And so maybe just a, a little um, disclaimer before we start. I think if you're anything like me, we can be so used to hearing truth. Uh, here at Red Point, uh, and I think of our life groups and our prayer meetings and our kids' ministry and at youth and anywhere, really, we just saturated in truth that people love to preach the word. Uh, even as I sort of lock eyes with your beautiful faces around the room here, I just think, man, that person, I've heard them preach to me from the word. They've shared something of God's truth with me. But sometimes what happens is the truth kind of swims around inside of our head. It stays there as a set of thoughts, ideals, but I think what God wants to do this morning is He wants to take some of those swimming around thoughts and, and hit home with them. I think He wants to take them and, and really apply them into our very heart, into our soul, as the writers of the Bible would call it, or our, our innermost place. And so this morning, I really, that's my prayer. And so actually, I'm gonna probably be praying little prayers as we go all the way through this morning. But can we ask God for that? As we look at this, not to look, oh, we've heard the scripture before. So Lord, we as your people, as we get to come to your precious word, Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Prepare our hearts now, Jesus. Pray that you'd quiet distraction. Pray, Lord, our hearts would be open and tender. Lord, your word is truth, and it has the power to shape and change us. Jesus, have your way this morning, and make these things that are in our heads become realities in our hearts, we ask. Amen. So, Lord, hit us in the heart today. So the first question I'd love to pose to you as we dive into this little adventure together is what is the good life? It's a question that has, um, I guess, kept the attention of philosophers and theologians for many, 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 many um, years and centuries of human history. And that question, what is the good life? Because I think we want to live a good life. I think we want to live the good life. And uh, I don't think there's anybody sitting here going, I want to live a bad life. I want to live the unblessed life. That sounds Awesome, sign me up for that. I don't think there's a single one of us sitting here who wants that. I don't think that's, that's the reality at all. But here's the thing, the Bible paints a very strange picture of what the good life could look like. And, uh, and we're confronted with something like Jesus, who's standing on the, doing his sermon on the mount, and he's talking to the gathered crowd and the disciples, and how does he start off when he talks about the good life that he's calling them into? He says things like, blessed are the poor in spirit. You can imagine people sitting there and starting a little being, are you sure, Jesus? Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the merciful. And our culture at the moment probably does not believe a single one of those things. In fact, it really doesn't. Our culture believes that the blessed and good life is a life where you have a life of leisure, a life of comfort, a life of rest and sleeping in. <laughs> Those of you whose kids allowed you to sleep into seven this morning, praise God. That's amazing. Sleep-ins are a good thing. A life where there's a lack of sadness. A life with an abundance of pleasure. A life where there's no responsibility for who and what you are and what you do. A life with no pain. The world says, now that's a good life. That's a blessed life. A life without any restrictions where we can do whatever we want. The world says that a life of fame and acclaim and people recognizing you as awesome and amazing and loving you, that's a good life. 
a life of acclaim and influence. But as we continue to look at this passage of Acts chapter two, I'm really hoping that something of the good life that God is calling us into starts to stir our hearts. You'll hear that phrase from me again and again and again today. Stir our hearts, that the Holy Spirit, even this morning, would be stirring your heart for the more that God has. And He always has more, doesn't He? He's not limited like we are. He says to His people, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my thoughts above your thoughts and my ways above your ways. God's not limited like we are. And so even the more, when we say, God, this is what I imagine the, the more would look like, God says, you have no idea how good it is. So let's dive right in. What's the context here of Acts chapter two? In the meantime, you can turn to it in your Bibles if you haven't already. So Acts chapter two, we are going to be looking from verses, oh, I didn't even write the verses, my friends. How funny is that? Literally just wrote it, 40? 42, thank you very much. Acts chapter two, verses 42 is where we're going to be starting. What's the context here? Well, the context is that Jesus, Jesus the person who hopefully um, we are singing about this morning and who we want to know more this morning. And if you are here and you don't know him, this message is also for you because we're hoping that in speaking that you will be, your heart will be stirred to know this Jesus more. So what, what is it here? Jesus has died. He was crucified on the cross and then he was buried and in the tomb and then he has risen from the dead and he has ascended into heaven. And then what happens is that the Holy Spirit, he says to the disciples, wait here in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit who's been promised, he is poured out on you. And so what happens? The Holy Spirit is poured out on the disciples. There's a sound of rushing wind. There's fire that descends and it descends like tongues on each person. There's a whole thing. I know Tool started to mention a bit of it last week. And so if you don't know, go back and listen. It's not a bad thing to go back and catch up on a passage. And essentially what happens is that there's a preach that's preached. There's a crowd gathered and Peter preaches and 3,000, can you even, 3,000 are added to their number that they respond. They say, we wanna serve Jesus. This Jesus who you're speaking about, this Jesus who you're speaking about in my own native tongue that I can hear, I wanna serve him, I wanna know him. That's a crazy big moment. And then it says that they were baptized. Now, I, I know we have baptism here. Can you imagine us facilitating 3,000 baptisms on a Sunday? Literally, go, 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 go. And so someone's just, you know, like it would probably be absolutely ridiculous. I don't know if they just formed a massive line along the Jordan all the way along. And then people just kind of, as you were baptized, you were baptizing other, I don't know. But can you imagine the excitement? Put yourself in the story, put yourself in the moment. Can you imagine the hearts of those people saying, God, what are you doing? Isn't this incredible? That a preach was preached about Jesus and people's hearts were moved. What did they say? That says they were cut to the heart and they said, well, what must we do? What must we do? Can you imagine us sitting here even this morning and you're sitting and the word comes and, and it cuts you to the heart and you say, Lord, what must I do? It's, a, it's a, a, a response to the Holy Spirit's power and the hope of the gospel in Jesus. And so this community is alive and, and, and truly, truly a new community is birthed out of the gospel. So one theologian puts it like this. He summarizes chapter one and two. He says, chapter one, they are equipped by Jesus. He's resurrected from the grave and he's teaching them about the kingdom. But in chapter two, they are empowered by Jesus as he sends his Holy Spirit to them. Chapter one, they are told to hold back. They're told to restrain themselves and lock themselves away as they wait in the upper room, calling out to God for 10 days. Again, put yourself in the story. Friends, I think we can grow in love of one another because if the Lord said now, Red Point Church, we're locking the doors <laughs> and we're staying here for 10 days till the Holy Spirit who has promised comes. I think we would probably struggle a little, hey. It probably would be a bit difficult. Some of us would be like, no, 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 please don't sign me up for that newsletter, thanks. So 
Chapter one, they're told to hold back, but in chapter two, they are sent forth and they are released into the world with the hope of Jesus to anyone and everyone. In chapter one, the Savior, Jesus, he ascends into heaven. In chapter two, the Spirit of God descends on his disciples. And so there's this incredible context that this next passage um, that we step into comes from. So we're going to be looking at, with the light of Acts chapter two, the good life that Jesus calls us into as a community. Are you good? Are you ready? All right, so, see, I took so long, but I'm finally there. All of that was just that I could find. (laughs) Acts chapter two, verses 42 in my Bible. Let's read it together. It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayers and awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. What a passage. What a picture. That's the context that we're talking about, this community who are on fire with the gospel and news of Jesus, the reality of his presence in their midst, and this is what they do. So I've got a few little things that we're gonna pull out of here, and then maybe a couple of last thoughts, and then we're gonna bring it to a close. But three major ideas about this good life that Jesus calls us into in the light of Acts chapter two, verses 42 to 47, I believe it is. Firstly, the good life is a devoted life. Tula spoke about it so well last week, and so I'm not gonna spend crazy amounts of time there, but it's a devoted life. What does that mean? It means that they committed themselves. They pursued something that they saw to be valuable. And I think of actually, in some ways, I'm speaking to the converted, literally, here this morning. You have, it's a miracle that we come together on a Sunday morning. You really could be any other place, but you and I are pursuing Jesus. We are pursuing him, we are committed to him, and we're committed to each other. We're committed to gathering together as uh, I, again, look around the room and I think the people whose names that I know and so many that I don't, but yet we are committed to one another, this beautiful church, and not just us, but actually each church, local church community that gathers all over the city, all over the country, all over the world, we choose and we say, Lord, we're committed to following you and committed to pursuing you and actually committed to being with one another. But we'll talk more about that as we go. And they did this continually. It wasn't a once-off, big gathering in a stadium. All right, let's do church, everybody. Head over to Moses Mabidia. Mabidia, (laughs) Mabida, there we go. And we have this big meeting, like done and dusted. No, the church was a daily affair. It was us together all the time continually. They were a people who gave themselves fully. And likewise, we are a people who are called to give ourselves fully. Uh, and I, I know Tool spoke about that lots and lots, but I, I thought a question for me as I listened to the preach last week is was this, was I, I thought, again, Lord, if I were to lay out my entire life and I were to allocate the amount of energy or time I spent to different things, would somebody who was taking an audit of my life say that Jesus is really valuable to this person? Are the scriptures really valuable to this person? Is praying really valuable to this person? Is the breaking of bread with others really valuable to this person? Is that what they're pursuing? 
And I thought even for us this morning, let's ask ourselves that question. Let's allow the light, the light of Jesus actually shining through this text, shine on our lives a little and go, Lord, I want my life to speak of the reality that you, Jesus, are precious to me and you are valuable. So they gave themselves to the breaking of bread and to the prayers. There, some theologians say this. They say it was intentional, godly fellowship. It wasn't like Rotary Jerusalem. You know what I'm saying? Like let's gather once a week and do some cool stuff as a club together and then we're gonna go on our separate ways and live our lives. No, it was this real living community of people who were in each other's stuff. One preacher puts it like every person there had already crossed the boundary, he said, to, to go below the line of shame where they're no longer embarrassed to share their lives fully with one another. They're no longer embarrassed to look like a fool. They're no longer embarrassed, but there's that, you know what you feel with your best friend? You know what you feel with a, maybe a family members you're just so close to? It's that sort of thing where as a community, it was alive and full of love and full of generosity as we're going to see more and more. They gave themselves to godly fellowship. And what makes it godly fellowship is they believed that when they were together, that they would meet God there too. And I, I thought about that for my own heart and I, perhaps our second or third prayer, Lord's, we pray this morning that each of us, our fellowship circles, our friendships, God, we want them, Lord, to become places where we meet you. We really want that, Lord. We really do. We want our gatherings around coffee and our hanging together in a car ride and all those things to be places where we meet with the one true God because it's godly fellowship, Jesus. We ask in your name. And so they devoted themselves to these things. It even says they were meeting daily with one another. And now that doesn't mean, friends, that we're now going to call Redpoint to a daily meeting. Imagine, Chris, let's like take that thing once more in the notices and we'll be like, we're actually meeting tomorrow or Tuesday, Wednesday. But in a way, we do, don't we? In a way, we can through a phone call or meeting someone for around lunchtime. Maybe we can through um, our life groups on a Tuesday and Wednesday night. Maybe we can on a Thursday when we come together to pray from half past five to half past six. Maybe we can at youth if you are obviously in the right age gap. Some of you would be a bit weird if you did show up. I'd be like, this is cool, but you know what I'm saying. Um, but youth on a Friday, having people inside our homes and breaking bread on a Saturday. Sunday together, gathered, hungry. How beautiful was worshiping God together this morning, hey? Like when in that moment, we were like being throned upon the praises of, can you imagine? Can you imagine the smile of God looking on this gloriously multicultural and diverse group of people? And the funny thing is we don't all know each other. We have so much more growing to do together and yet we're standing there and saying, Lord, be enthroned upon the, the praises of a thousand generations, our generation, us in Red Point in 2024 right now, be enthroned on our praise and made there in 20 years time in 2064, wait, no, wait, 2044? Maths, guys, I'm a life sciences teacher, so I don't have to worry. Um, but uh, 2044, imagine people praising God, maybe in this hall, maybe somewhere else, we don't know. But can you see it? Can you feel it? Isn't it a glorious thing? So as we carry on, the next thing about this good life, and this is where we're gonna really nestle ourselves a bit, is it's a communal life. It's life together. And if you're sitting there and you're saying, well, I am an introvert, I'm a self-proclaimed introvert, and I'm not signing up for that communal life. My friend, boy, oh boy, do I have a message for you. So one preacher puts it like this, and I, I mean, every preach needs a good one-liner. Isn't that right? Dan, you know it's true. And so here's my one-liner, and I stole it as well. So I wish, I wish I had a cool one. But this one, I loved it. The moment I heard it, I thought, yo, put that on a shirt or a mug. And it's this, your community informs your trajectory. Wow, 
Say that again. Your community informs your trajectory. Modern culture says it like this. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Exactly. And so our community, whether it's here on a Sunday or the friends that we hang out with or our life groups as we gather in homes or praying together on a Thursday night or youth or hanging out around a lunch table, wherever it is, our community is doing what? It's informing where we are going to end up and who we're going to be. And so by all means, friends, may we, we be, bleh, may we be found in the community of Jesus. May we be found there because I want to, in five years' time, look more and more like Him. I don't want to hang out with a bunch of people who I think are super, super cool, but actually they know nothing about my Lord. Because, and I, may, I mean that in terms of my, my inner world. Does that make sense? Because I think some of you are saying, but what about the lust? Oh man, befriend the lust. But if they are your entire community, then you're going to end up looking like Him. That's essentially what, what, what it ends up looking like. Where do I get this from? Proverbs 13 verses 20 says this, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Whoever wants to be wise, where should you be? Walking with the wise, exactly. But if you want to end up foolish, then walk with fools. So, so simple. Uh, Ephesians 4 verses 16, Paul's writing to this church in Ephesus and he's, he's in the middle of something, but he says, from whom the whole body, he refers to us as a body, the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly or when each part is working perfectly. Some um, of the translations say, friends, each part, can you repeat after me, each part? Can you then say, I am one of those parts? Me too, I am one of those parts too. And so, when we are working what? Properly or perfectly. When we are involved, when we are engaged, this church, this community of people is working at a um, back foot when you are not engaged because you are part of the body. You belong here. And Jesus has given you something to add in to this moment. We are supposed to do this communally. So if, for instance, Tool spoke last week about you come in right before the service starts and you leave straight after the service ends, it's really hard for us to get to know you. And it's really hard for you to be able to do what God's given you to do in this, communion, um, in this community properly. And so stay and be with us and join a life group and, and meet with people and, and do what God has called you to do because we are in this together, whether we like it or not. Are you still with me? Are you still there? Oh man, I'm so glad. John Wesley, you might've heard of him. He has a school in Pantown. He's cool. Uh, <laughs> John Wesley says this cool thing. He says, the Bible knows no such thing as solitary religion. How cool is that? The Bible knows no such thing as solitary, ah, that, that, English, solitary religion. There we go. No such thing. So when we say, well, I'm just gonna keep to myself, I don't think the Bible gives us room for that. Acts chapter two certainly doesn't because what did they do? They met together, 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 together. It was everything together. In fact, there's a word that they use. The word is cornonia. It's a great word. And that word simply translated as fellowship. But actually, if you dive into it a little bit more, that fellowship means communion. It means contribution. It means sharing and it means partnership. When we are called to cornonia, when we are called to fellowship together, this good life that Jesus is calling us into, it's to communion with one another, deep knowing, deep intimacy. It's to contribution, that it's not just take, 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 but certainly to give every one of us into the story of what God is doing. Thirdly, it's so that we would share. Share, what do you have that someone else doesn't? Share with them. And sometimes that just looks like encouragement. Sometimes it just looks like Pat coming to me and saying, hey, Mikey, how are you? And I'm like, oh, Pat. And, I, and she can see, because Pat knows. And Pat's like, actually, Mikey, you know what? God has got the situation. I'm gonna pray for you right now, which she has before. Hey, Pat. 
and, uh, and, and so many others here, so many others, we work out that sharing and it's partnership together for the gospel and for the glory of Jesus. So this gospel community, friends, oh my goodness gracious, it's every day with people. It doesn't necessarily mean we're meeting here every day, but it is certainly that we're doing life together every day. It's doing vulnerability. It's going below the surface. It's speaking to each other about what's really going on. It's listening ears. It's serving hands. It's strengthening. It's laughing. It's encouraging one another. It's loving each other despite each other. Do you know what I'm saying? It's a beautiful thing. This community was modeling something for us that we actually are called to love each other despite each other. Does that make sense? Man, what a compelling picture. Imagine a church walking into a church like that and saying, well, I wanna be a part of this community of people. And lastly, the good life, the good life is a supernatural life. It's a supernatural life because friends, what I'm describing and what Acts chapter two is describing to us is certainly not something that we can do in our own strength, not one bit. If you're sitting there feeling a little bit overwhelmed and you're like, I'm not good at like 50 billion of the things that have just been mentioned. How, how are we gonna do this? The answer comes actually before Acts chapter two, verses 42. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's by the power of the Spirit of God given to us as a free gift so that we can live an empowered and different new life. It's an amazing, amazing thing. They gave themselves over to prayer. What is prayer? It's declaring a reliance on God. Saying, God, we can't do this, but we're gonna pray to the one who can. We're gonna ask you, we're gonna seek you, and we're gonna find you. Jesus teaches his disciples about prayer and he uses a story to do it. He talks about the persistent widow. You guys know the story of her? She wants justice, but there's an unjust judge who is the one who kind of stands between her and that justice. So what does she do? She goes persistently day after day and knocking on his door and knocking on his door. And eventually Jesus tells the story, the judge out of sheer exhaustion at her persistence says, I'm gonna give her what she wants because she has been so persistent with me. And Jesus then says these things, how much more your father in heaven? How much more? Friends, Jesus teaches us to pray by using the example of a persistent word. He's saying, pray persistently. Call out to God in a persistent way together. Do it, keep coming back. Don't stop praying. Don't stop relying on a supernatural God to intervene in the world around us. And he says, keep doing it. I think that's an amazing thing because I think sometimes we're just like, okay, well, I've said my prayer and now it's done. But God, through Jesus, says, come again and come again. And then what's the response? How much more? How much more? Our Father in heaven. Sure, it's a beautiful thing. There's a supernatural generosity going on. I think we can agree in that Acts chapter two passage where people are just, the best way to put it is that they see Jesus more valuable and more to be treasured than all of their possessions. And so they are very happy to part with them. It's an incredible thing. We, Kate and I, have experienced such generosity at the hands of this church. And I'm not just talking about money, and I'm not just talking about, uh, um, I mean, our house. If you've ever been to our house, we bought one thing in that house. Literally, I think we bought our dining room chairs. Everything else, everything else has been given. Everything else has been the generosity of people. And that's not to say, oh, well, like you then buy a house and go, well, this is the standard. Red point, hey, hey, ready for you. Extreme home makeover, red point edition. Come on in, you know. But... We have the ability, us as a community, to really be a blessing to each other. And, and maybe this year is a year of asking God to help us creatively on how to do that. 
Maybe it's to encourage each other. Maybe it's to write letters. Maybe it's to do phone calls. Maybe it's to sow into somebody, not financially, but in another way. I, I think of just the many, I, we would be here all day if I had to share all the stories as I go through this room of how you have impacted my life, Redpoint Church. And I'm sure each person here who's been in this church would be able to do the same. That God displays his abundant, limitless generosity through ordinary hands and feet, ordinary people like you and me. So let's look for opportunities to be generous. It is a supernatural life that we are called to. One commentator, as I start bringing this thing to a close, I can't believe how quickly that went. Can you believe it? That, that went so fast, but it is so exciting and there's so much more there. One commentator talking about this radical generosity says this, the first Christians felt so secure in God's promises that they let go of all they had to help one another. To the watching world, it was unexplainably selfless and foolishly generous. As it happened later in Macedonia, it says that in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in wealth of generosity. That's from 2 Corinthians 8 verses 2. This early church was marked by something. They were marked by joy and joy of generosity. And it says, this person carries on, joy faced with need always looks like compassion and sacrifice. And isn't that amazing that we as a people of joy, when we face need, what is our response? Often, it's compassion and it's sacrifice. That's the supernatural life that Jesus calls us into. So God is certainly present and, <laughs> present and active, wow, in the life of this church. So do we yearn for the supernatural of God? Question for us this morning, do we yearn for it? Do we wanna see it? Because it says there's signs and wonders were being done through the apostles, or was upon every soul. Do we yearn for it? The question then should be, well, how do we get there? How do we get there? And I think that some of the things we've already touched on, but perhaps, perhaps this, um, in summary for this little last little bit, the, the good life that Jesus calls you and I to is a simple life. It's a simple life, it really is. It's, it's the things that we see there, it's a life where we say, Jesus, I wanna devote myself to you. It's a life that is communal, it's with other people, and a life that's supernaturally based on the power of God. So it's as simple as that. You don't need a lot of stuff to be happy here, friends. Secondly, it's an intentional life. We've got to want it. We've got to want it. And perhaps our next prayer is, God, help us. Help us and shape our hearts, Lord, to be stirred to want to live differently. Would this be a new year, Jesus? A new year, my God, please. We don't want 2024 to be the same old, same old. Not at all. But we want to be changed to look more and more like you, Jesus. So we ask for a radical year. We really do, our God. Second to last, but not, definitely not the least, it's a Christ-centered life. This is all around Jesus, all of it around the person of Christ, every single bit of it. And lastly, as I've mentioned so many times, it's a communal life. And, and, and this communal life, this community, it's, a, it's forged, not found. What I mean by that is that it's made over time by the power of the Spirit. It's, it's not just like you just go join it. Oh, this church has a, a kid's ministry. Oh, it's not really what I'm looking for. You f let it be forged here. You know, if you feel like that red point wasn't friendly to you, then what do you need to do? Be friendly. If you feel like, well, I, I was sick and no one brought me a meal, then what should you do? Do it for someone else and you with partnering with the Holy Spirit, forge that community. You forge that thing that suddenly the thing that you were hoping for starts to be contagious, isn't it? Other people start to do it as well. If you want to um, make someone who's visiting feel super, super welcome, but you're not on the Velcro team or anything like that, then do it. It's open. If you wanna see people more exuberant in worship and praise, then be it. Do you see what I'm saying? 
That's, it's as simple as that. With this type of community that we see is forged by the Holy Spirit. It's forged within us. It's not something that we go off and find. So in your local church, if you're visiting us or if you are a Red Pointer, allow the Spirit to forge it with us. You know, a, a blacksmith can only make something with which he has the raw materials for. You know, and so allow us to be raw materials in the hands of God. Say, Lord, I might not be the shape that I should be right now, but for 2024, I wanna be useful to you. And I wanna see the river of God flow through this church, through my hands to the work that I go to, the colleagues that I have, the people I'm studying with, the, the friends that I speak to on the phone. Do you get the picture? Like, Jesus, use us. We wanna be used by you. So, as I said, coming into a close, do we want this kind of community? Do we want it? Are you hungry for it? I know I am. And I would encourage you, please, to go home and read through Acts Act chapter two, verses 42 to 47, and read it again, and read it again, and ask God. Ask God to put something, not just here, but deep inside there. Deep inside there says, God, I wanna be a part of that community here. The Holy Spirit empowering my life to be life to others, to be a blessing to others. Truly, that is a blessed life. How do we do that, friends? Jesus puts it simply in John 15, verses five. He says, like a branch attaches itself to the vine, so attach yourself to me. Abide in me. There's no fruit apart from me. It's as simple as that. You wanna be fruitful? You wanna live this life that, that actually we're talking about today? Jesus gives us how to do it. And it's to abide with him, to stick with him. That means that here's our primary pursuit in the day. It's not breakfast when you wake up in the morning. It's not to feed the cats and the dogs or anything like that. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. And I know I'm, not, I'm, I'm speaking to myself first before it gets to you because I want to model that well even for my own heart and my own soul. When I get to work, it's not, what do I need to do? Which often most days it is. But it's actually, Jesus, what do you wanna do here with this 1,100 and something high school kids that I get to look after? God, what do you wanna do? with your families, friends, as you look out and the kid's like, I'm hungry. And the, maybe your husband is still sleeping or off, other way around or whatever it is. And, and there's just there's so much to do. But God, what do you wanna do for this day? Because every day is given. I think of I think of that beautiful passage, we say it often, this is the day that the Lord has made. He's made it with intention, with purpose. And, and we get to do what? To rejoice, we get to partake, we get to be glad in it. That sounds like abundant life to me that Jesus was promising. He says, um, I came that they would have life and life abundantly. So how do we do this? We seek to know the Lord and love him more together. Maybe it looks like those discipleship courses that we were talking about or that time together where you just say, I, I, I wanna seek him. Maybe it means joining a life group. You've come to Red Point maybe for years and you're sort listen, I actually just don't have the time for it. Friends, make the time. Make it, carve it out, because we will make time for what's important. That's the, so if, if it, it's not important to you, then this is gonna go on deaf ears. But if you're like, actually, I want to grow closer to my Lord Jesus, Life Groups is one of the ways that we can do that. Head out, look at the board, find somebody and be like, hey, I am coming on Tuesday. Hold me to it. If I don't rock up, come and drag me out of my kitchen, wherever I am, and bring me to life because I wanna know Jesus more. Secondly, let us seek to understand the beauty of our salvation more together. It's even this morning as we were worshiping, I just, even for the first song, I just was like, Lord, thank you for your salvation. Thank you. There's that beautiful passage from the Old Testament where it says salvation belongs to our God. Thank you for your salvation, Lord. And there's such a rejoicing. And this morning, if you don't know God, if you don't know why this crazy, sweaty, happy person is standing in front of you, yelling about the good life and things like that, but you want to, 
You want to know this person behind the crazy, sweaty, happy person. You want to know Jesus. You want to know this, this person who has life to give that is beautiful and what? In community and supernatural and uh, devoted. Then even today is for you. Let us rejoice that we have peace with God through Christ together. We have communion together, not today, but usually we have communion. And when we do, we get to rejoice because we have peace with God. Our sins are not held against us. Jesus has set us free. We get to do that together. We get to do that around coffee. We get to do that in the car. We get to do it anywhere around the dinner table. And lastly, we get to be transformed together like Romans 12 verses two says. We get to be transformed to look more and more like who? Hey, that was good. That was a good answer. Some of you look nervous there. You're like, Jesus? <laughs> yes, yes, Jesus. And so if you want to know Jesus more, get into the scriptures. And as you read through the scriptures, be encouraged because by the power of the Holy Spirit, he is transforming you and me to look more like that person. Isn't it an amazing thought? Like, I, that makes me want to dive into the gospels like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John again. It makes me want to dive into the epistles and read because when I read about Jesus, it makes me think, sure, Lord, that is the project that you are outworking in my life and that I get to share with others, that you are making me more and more to be like him. So I thought I'd do a volley to finish this thing. Are you ready? Just a, a rapid response because this community that Acts chapter two is talking about, it's super fun and it's, it requires a lot from us in so many ways. So are you ready for this? There's, have you heard of the one another's before? The one another? Some of you are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's wherever the scriptures say, this is what you should do to one another in the community of God. So I, this is not a checklist. This is something to be inspired and stirred by. Are you ready? So people of God, community of Jesus, forged by the gospel and the Holy Spirit, are you ready for what you look like? Okay, here we go. Be at peace with one another. Wash one another's feet. Love one another. That's mentioned about 20 times, by the way. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Live in harmony with one another. Love one another. Again, stop passing judgment on one another. Accept one another. Then as Christ has accepted you, instruct one another. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Oh, hello. When you come together to eat, wait for each other. Have equal concern for each other. Greet one another. Oh, holy kisses again. There we go. Greets, I, guys, there's a lot of holy kiss. I'm just saying there's three. And we're just gonna keep going. I was trying to skip the ones that were the same. Serve one another in love. Um, let us not become conceited, provoking and envying one another. Carry one another's burdens. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgive one another. Speak to one another with the psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. In humility, consider others better than yourselves. Do not lie to each other. Bear with each other. Forgive whatever grievances you have against each other. Teach one another. Admonish one another. Make your love increase and overflow for each other. Again, love each other, encourage each other, build each other up, encourage each other daily, it says. Spur one another onto love and good deeds. Again, encourage one another. Do not slander one another. Do not grumble against one another. Confess your sins to one another. Pray for each other. Love one another deeply from the heart. Live in harmony with one another. Again, love each other deeply. It comes up again. Offer hospitality. It goes on and on and on and on. There are about 59 one another's that we could take. Isn't that an inspiring community? And, and, and I, friends, I suppose that my, my final thought or application or prayer is this, is that actually, God, would you do it in us? Do it again, Lord. Do it again. We, we are your church. We are your people. And I don't know about your heart, 
but my heart is so stirred. I wanna be a part of this life that Jesus calls us into. It's a life that is what? What's number one? Ooh, devoted. Come on, oh guys, that happens at school and I wanna crawl under my table. <laughs> it's a life that's devoted. What's the second one? It's a life that is communal. Well done. And what's the third? It's a life that is supernatural. And so I'm gonna hand back to Franza, there we go. I, I wasn't sure who I was gonna hand back to, but friends, may the supernatural God do something supernatural with this church this year that makes us into that community of Acts chapter two. I think, I think you need some water, Michael. <laughs> Let's stand. And the band, if you can come up. Thank you, Michael. It really is amazing, wonderful. My prayer this morning was that if you forget any, any, everything that Mike has said, that you would catch his enthusiasm and joy and love for the Lord, love for this word and his deep faith in the power, the transformative power of God's word and his, his expectation that this community can and will actually look like the Bible says it would. Isn't that so beautiful? So thank you, Michael. And I really do want to actually give you an opportunity to, to, to respond to that. We have um, given you a whole list of things already from the start, just a download of the opportunities and the possibilities that is there in this year. But I'd love for you to commit to it, to actually right now in your heart, make a decision. Is this what I want, Lord? And if it isn't, it's okay. Just hang there, but commit to come again. Because eventually, I believe it will, it is infectious. You cannot be in Mikey's presence, which is like in all of our presence, and, not, and, and remain the same. And that is what God is about. That is what community is about. He wants us to impact one another's lives. And there is so much for us to glean from, from each other and to be. But uh, I'd love for you to, we're going to sing this a song, a beautiful song of devotion actually to God. And even the first line is that, that on this altar of brokenness, actually a broken person, a broken vessel that I am. I, Lord, want to give my life to you. Like that little boy with the five blows and two fish. And they say, Lord, this is what I've got. Give it, multiply it, and let it be for your glory. So 2024, Lord, let it be for your glory. Let my life be for your glory, Lord. Not just now, not just 2024, but forever, obviously. But let it start, Lord. Let us start with a deep enthusiasm and a passion and a love for you, purely because I've noticed a man burning with passion for you. Purely because I've had the presence of being touched by a spirit that is your spirit, living in Michael, being present here in this place because you are Emmanuel, God with us. We have seen something, Lord, of, of, of a faith that is actually supernatural, of a confidence and a trust that despite Whatever the world could throw at us, we, Lord, can be a people that is attractive and beautiful, that is a good life way beyond what the world can offer. What the world can offer is temporary, Lord. It is circumstantial. It doesn't even touch the depth of what you are offering, what you are giving to us, Lord. It is, it is so incredibly appealing, God. I just pray, God, that 
desires for what the world has to offer will literally fall from us in this day. Because you are so abundantly beyond. You are so great, Lord. There is no comparison to the joy of knowing you, to the joy of experiencing you, the joy of seeing my spirit burst with joy that I don't know where it comes from, simply because I've seen you. I've witnessed you. I've tasted and seen that you are good. And so, Lord, see these hearts and empower us now. We need your spirit, God. We are broken people. We are broken vessels. We, we are incapable of good, God. The man who came to Jesus and said, what should I do to be good? To inherit eternal life, you said you need me. There's nothing you can do. You need me inside of you. You need good to come into you. Oh God, take our lives and put yourself into us, Lord. Push out everything else that there would be no room for self, no room for anything other than you, God. We want to be totally sold out, every seat taken by Jesus in the auditorium of our hearts and of our lives. Thank you, God. Thank you for this glorious day. Thank you for the joy of worshiping you now. Amen.